should trust the government to protect you. I mean, the government would never be evil. That's just conspiracy theories. And that has no part in the Christian life. I wonder if there are any history stories that would paint a different picture. Welcome back to our podcast. As you notice, I'm doing video podcasts instead of just audio, trying something a little different, and I hope you enjoy the change. So the question today is, should we trust the government? Well, believe it or not, the government has actually done some pretty shady things in the past. But first, I need to start by saying that as a Canadian, I love my country. And this isn't a bash my country podcast. And I'm also extremely thankful for the United States of America. I went to university in the States and the country has always only been wonderful to me. This isn't meant to be a I hate United States or why America is a terrible country podcast. But I'm saying both Canada and the United States have done some pretty shady things. And if we're going to say that the government should just do whatever, and if we're going to say that Christians should just do whatever the government says and trust that the government only has our best interests at heart, that we need to take an educated look at history. Let's visit the last 100 years and see if we have any reason to not trust our government. We can start all the way back in 1908. In Philadelphia, researchers needed test subjects. So they visited St. Vincent Orphanage in Philadelphia and they infected dozens of children with tuberculosis in order to run tests. The children were left permanently blind. And in the papers, they said that the children were material used. A year later, a doctor named Frank Knowles infected children in an orphanage with a virus called Molluscian contagiosium. Anyway, he wanted to study the virus. Two years later in 1911, the Rockefeller Institute Medical Research in Manhattan injected 146 hospital patients with syphilis. This included children. Imagine being a parent taking your sick child to a hospital and then finding out your child was purposely injected with syphilis in order to be studied. The parents were obviously angry when the truth came out and eventually they did sue the Institute. Hopefully you know about the Tuscany experiment. If you haven't looked into this, you really need to. This experiment went from 1932 all the way until 1972. This was both the medical field and the American government. They worked together on this horrible experiment. 399 poor black males with syphilis who could not afford medical treatment were offered free health care. What they didn't know was they'd become subjects for researchers. These men were given placebos instead of actual treatment, and the researchers charted their progress of syphilis so that they could learn more about the disease. The really horrible part is that in 1947 a treatment was found, and these men could have been cured. But because they believed they were getting treatment, they didn't seek any other help. By 1972, only 74 out of the 399 men were still alive. And on top of that, a lot of the men had passed the disease on to their children. Then in 1941, two researchers from the University of Michigan infected patients from mental institutes with influenza virus. In the 1940s, prisoners were infected with malaria so they could be studied and they were given free treatment, which was actually just experimental treatments. That experiment continued for 29 years and only ended in 1970. The experiment was also conducted on psychiatric patients in an Illinois state hospital. From 1946 to 1948, 
the government injected prostitutes with sexually transmitted diseases and then allowed prison inmates and insane asylum patients and even Guatemalan soldiers some free time with the prostitutes in order to test how different sexual diseases spread and retreated. Over 700 people were infected as part of this study and John Hopkins University and the Rockefeller Foundation were involved in this study. In the 1940s, the University of Rochester injected uranium into six unexpected patients to find out how much uranium our kidneys can tolerate before getting permanently damaged. In the 1950s, the Massachusetts General Hospital used terminal patients to run experiments on, including patients who were in a coma. They infected them with uranium to test this new chemotherapy treatment. The doctor who ran that study died in 2001. Perhaps the most horrific stories we have not been taught in school is the Manhattan Project. In Manhattan, people were told they could get free cancer treatment at a special hospital in Manhattan. But in actuality, the cancer patients were used as experimental subjects. One man named Albert Stevens, who had stomach cancer, was injected with highly radioactive plutonium. But the worst part was that when he arrived at the hospital, they did a surgery and found he didn't even have cancer. But they didn't tell him that he was cancer-free because since he was cancer-free, he was an even better test subject. The youngest test subject was only 18-year-old girl and she was injected with plutonium for a gland disorder. It's shocking to think that people traveled from all over America to get to this hospital so they could get specialized treatment as a final hope. But actually, they were just being used as test subjects to find out how much plutonium affected human bodies. The Vanderbilt University also got in the game. They gave 829 pregnant mothers a special vitamin drink and told the mothers this would mean their babies would be born very healthy. But this so-called vitamin drink was actually radioactive iron and the researchers wanted to know how it would affect a placenta. The babies were born and later died of cancer. As a side note, while this was happening, the Nazis were on trial for human experimentation. In the 1950s, 73 mentally challenged children were fed a special oatmeal. The oatmeal was radioactive calcium, and this is how the medical field learned how nutrients were digested. The children and their parents were told they had been picked for a special science club. At the same time, the University of California in San Francisco gave 29 arthritis patients radiation so they could collect data for the military. But all that was in secret, right? I mean, what about the horror done right in the public? Has the public ever experienced horror and accepted it because the elites told them that it was the right thing to do? Well, the Supreme Court decision of Buck versus Bell in 1927 made it legal to forcibly sterilize a person. Carrie Bell was sterilized because her foster mom said she was an imbecile and her mother was an imbecile and her daughter was as well. Carrie was smart enough to know that she didn't want this treatment and that she wanted to have more children. She also wanted to have her daughter back who had been taken from her. The Supreme Court said, and I quote, it is better for all of the world if instead of waiting to execute degenerate offspring for crime or to let them starve for their imbecility, society can prevent those from being manifested unfit from continuing their, their kind. This started a time of eugenics that really still continues today. Although the word eugenics is no longer used, it still happens. Let's look into that. Anyone who was a threat to the cleanliness of the American gene pool was to be sterilized. 
Not shocking, anyone who was poor, black, uneducated, was considered to have unclean genes. The government, once again, offered free treatments in the poor and black communities and unknowingly castrated young girls. Mothers would take their daughters to the hospital for free treatments, and the doctors would say they just needed a minor surgery, but what they would actually do was tie their tubes. Single mothers were offered free homes and money as long as they had their tubes tied to make sure they didn't have any more children. So in those cases, those mothers were considered consensual treatments. However, is it really consensual if they're bribed with free housing and money? One organization that started at this time and was the eugenics organization was called Planned Parenthood. Margaret Singer was a racist and a eugenics. This is something that she wrote, quote, the first step would be to control the intake and outtake of morons, mental defectives and imbeciles. She wrote in a document called the My Way to Peace. The second step would be to take an inventory of the second group, such as illiterates, paupers, unemployables, criminals, prostitutes, dope fiends, and classify them in special departments under government medical protection and segregate them on farms and open spaces. In other words, she wanted to put them in concentration camps for the unfit. She also said, we need to apply a stern and rigid policy of sterilization and segregation to that grade of population whose propensity already tainted to those inherent is such an objectionable trait such as transmitted to offspring. In all, she wanted to get rid of anyone that she didn't think had correct genes. Today, Planned Parenthood still targets any babies with disabilities or babies from poor families. They don't use the word eugenics anymore, but they're still in the eugenics business. And as a side note, Planned Parenthood was run by Bill Gates Sr., who was the president of Bill, who was the president of Planned Parenthood while he was raising his son, Bill Gates Jr. Look, I could go on for hours. Once you start looking into the stories of the unethical treatments that our so-called experts have done, there's a lot of stories. I only picked a few of them. Now, maybe you're saying all those horror stories were in the early 1900s. But some of them didn't end until the 1970s, and a lot of them we didn't know about until the 2000s. When the researchers involved passed away, and some of the other people willing to actually speak up were allowed to speak out and tell their story because the people who were in charge of it had died. So the things that happened in the 1980s and the 90s and the 2000s, we don't know about them yet because, well, the people involved in them are probably still doing those things and the records are still sealed. But right in front of our eyes, we are watching experiments done on little kids to find out if their gender can be changed. And already those children are starting to speak out as they are growing into young adults. And they're talking about the horrors of the treatments they received and the results that they're forced to live with. But society is still celebrating these treatments because the elites have told us that it's good for society. What I do know is that those who don't learn history are doomed to repeat it. And it seems pretty clear that we are currently living in a giant study where we are all test subjects and we're being used against our wills. So back to how we started this. Should a good Christian just go along with everything without asking questions or looking into theories of what is happening? Well, I guess the question I would ask is this, what should a Christian have done during the stories that I just told you if they knew what was happening? Maybe we should do whatever those people should have done now.
For more podcasts, blogs, or videos, check out my website, lauraleesiemens.com. And make sure you subscribe to this podcast and you can even leave a review. And I'll see you next week.